In this week's episode, we have got reselling news updates from Depop, Amazon, eBay, and more. And we've got a look at the unexpected side of reselling. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to another installment of the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. My name is Ryan, and I am a full-time reseller, part-time YouTuber, and podcaster, bringing you reselling news and updates every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, live here on YouTube. If you are joining me on the live this morning, thank you for stopping by. Uh, This podcast is also available pretty much anywhere you would ever want to listen to a podcast. So we have got a really big show today. I think I've got, gosh, I don't know, 15 or 16 news topics to cover, but we're going to change things up a little bit this week and start with some What's Sold. I like to keep keep you guessing, keep it fresh so you don't know what's coming. So I've got just a handful of things that I wanted to cover because I haven't done a re uh, recap recently of what has sold. So let's get this thing kicked off. This first item is a first edition hardcover with dust jacket from 1959 called Worse and More of It by Nancy Eli Henshaw. I had, I think at the time I listed this, I had the only one available and I had it listed for probably a little too much money aim high you know reach for the stars and whatever all that is Uh, i had it listed for 59.99 and it has been here for quite some time it is in my current 50 percent off clearance sale and somebody finally made a purchase 29.99 plus customer paid shipping on this book that i picked up at an estate sale man probably a year ago for a quarter so that's not a bad flip not a bad way to get this thing started Another book. This is from a free haul. So this one doesn't, didn't cost me anything. From 1949, another hardcover, A Book of Valor, Faith, and Freedom. This was part of the Literary Readers Collection from Gin and Company. Nice looking book. It was in really good condition. Again, my cost of goods sold was zero. This thing went for $30 with free shipping on a best offer. If you've been following along for any time at all, you probably have seen the Schwinn bicycle catalogs. I've still got a handful of them left. Uh, This one went on a best offer for $30 with free shipping. I own these things for about $0.12 a piece, if you recall. Uh, If you're new here, I'll just explain the whole story to you. I was at an estate sale and saw a box full of what amounted to about 100 old, mostly Schwinn bicycle catalogs from the 70s through the 1990s they were asking i don't know a dollar a piece for these things and i asked them what they would take for the whole box i ended up getting it for 10 bucks <laughs> uh for the box so my average cost of goods sold is super super low on these and my average selling price has been close to 20 dollars a piece on them so real nice flip if you're out at sales and you happen to stumble on old bicycling catalogs they are definitely worth taking a look at another book this was also part of a free haul uh, strategic intelligence for american world policy from 1953 this was by sherman kent it was a third edition hardcover it was in really good shape again another book that there were not a ton of out there i listed this thing for 39.99 plus customer paid media mail shipping and it sold for full price in probably about 60 days this was an interesting book this was uh, i paid a dollar for this at a garage sale because of the cover art this was the making of no no nanette by don dunn it was a 1972 book that had a really interesting kind of art deco design cover the normal versions of this book are not worth a whole bunch of money but this particular one with this cover uh was worth quite a bit from a dollar it went for 49.99 plus customer paid media mail shipping so that is a pretty nice flip this is an item that i've had for a long long time i took a flyer on this i was at a, a garage sale this was well over a year ago, and a guy had some old racquetball rackets, and most of them were in pretty bad shape, but he had this one 
the E-Force 165-gram Blackhawk that looked to be in pretty good shape. I picked it up for $5, and it has been in my eBay store for the better part of a year. This actually sold on Bonanza. I've talked about Bonanza previously. It is It automatically syncs with my eBay account, and... I don't have to do anything with it. It generates a couple of sales a month, not necessarily always big money. This thing went for $74.99 plus customer paid shipping priority mail. So this is a really nice sale. It did take a long time to sell. I don't know if I found another one like this in really good shape, I probably would buy it. I'm not really huge into the sporting goods thing, but this definitely paid off. It was worth the wait $5 into $75. And now, your flip of the week. That quick. I only got seven for you, I think, today. This was a Blu-ray set that also was part of a free estate sale haul. This was Wagner's Der Ring des Nibelungen. I think I pronounced that correct. (laughs) Uh, It is a five Blu-ray opera set that apparently is super, super scarce. There were only a handful of these listed. I listed mine at the low end of the price spectrum at $114.99 plus shipping. I received the best offer on it of $100 plus customer paid shipping, and I went ahead and took that. So from free to 100 bucks. I don't know if it's if this thing is it's because it's out of print or because it's region zero, which is fairly unusual as well. But this was a really, really nice sale. Uh, Blu-rays and DVDs continue to do well if you're not subscribed to... Uh, my buddy Steve over at Resale Dojo, he's just doing just great, great business with DVDs and Blu-rays. So definitely go check out his channel. He does updates probably once a week with stuff that is just bringing remarkably good money. So I was really pleased with that. So that is your What Sold recap for the week. Now... News Updates. Before we jump totally into the news here, let me take a quick peek into the chat. Good good morning again to everyone who is here on the live this morning. Uh, That looks like it's all it is in the chat so far this morning is uh, good mornings being passed around. So hello to all of you. Let's get into this reselling news. Uh, The first thing we've got is a really interesting article. This has been popping up in multiple places. This article is in the Boston Herald. As always, I will link to this and all of these news items in the show notes and the description below. Chronic robbery plagues rail cargo containers in Los Angeles. If you are watching on YouTube, you can see this picture. Uh, Just empty boxes and packaging strewn as far as the eye can see in this rail yard. Uh, Thieves have been raiding cargo containers aboard trains nearing downtown LA for months taking packages addressed to people across the United States and leaving the tracks blanketed with discarded boxes. The packages are from retailers including Amazon, REI, and others. The sea of debris left behind includes items that the thieves apparently didn't think were valuable enough to take. I read another article. Um, There is, as you may be aware, if you watch the news, there's a shortage of COVID-19 rapid test kits. They're bringing as we talked about, I think in last week's show, triple their retail value in the resale market. And apparently this train yard is littered with them because these thieves don't think they're worth any money. So uh, obviously this is a huge problem, not just for resellers who may have packages that get caught up in this, but obviously customers who are expecting to find merchandise. I mean, again, looking at that picture, it is a staggering amount of stuff. Uh, a television crew was there while their cameras were on the scene. One person was spotted running off with a container used to haul hold small packages, and a Union Pacific Railroad police officer was spotted pursuing two other people who were apparently going through packages. Crews, they noted, were also forced to make railroad repairs on Monday after a train derailed near the location of these robberies. They say it was not immediately clear if that derailment was caused by all this debris, though that would not surprise me. Passing trains carried containers with doors wide open and packages tumbling out, NBC4 reported. Video showed two men, one holding what looked like bolt cutters walking along the tracks, the station said. Union Pacific, for their part, said in a statement that the railroad was concerned about increased cargo thefts in California. We have increased the number of Union Pacific special agents on patrol and have utilized and explored additional technologies 
to help us combat this criminal activity. We will also continue to work with our local law enforcement partners and elected leaders. Luis Rosas, who makes about $20 an hour working for a company subcontracted by UP to salvage items from the tracks in the L.A. area, said he has encountered the brazen thieves in action before. He says using bolt cutters, they break the locks on the containers, load up vans or trucks with stolen merchandise. He's been doing this work daily for about six months, and he's been told not to engage in confrontations with these folks. He says, quote, they don't even run off anymore. They do it right in front of us, he told the Associated Press. Uh, at first I was shocked and I was amazed by it, but now it apparently is pretty commonplace. So there was another article that I read somewhere else that I don't have a link to here this morning, but the other area where this could come into play is the current postmaster general, Louis DeJoy has in his long-term plan to move some package transit from air to ground. And one of the big things that he wants to utilize is, is rail because it is massively cheaper, of course, than flying stuff back and forth across the country. This type of situation could certainly put that plan in some jeopardy. And if you are a reseller shipping stuff, uh, obviously you could be caught up in this. You could have packages go missing. Obviously, again, from the picture there, there are, (laughs) wow, just thousands and thousands of packages that have gotten caught up in this. So uh, be aware of that. Another uh, kind of unexpected side of reselling. This appeared in The Sun. Depopping off. I found out my boyfriend was cheating when I was shopping on Depop. Uh, They say, picture the scene. You're mindlessly scrolling through Depop one day when you spot something familiar. No, it's not a Hollister top you used to love 10 years ago, but a room that you recognize. And it shows some screenshots here. Hey, weird question, but do you know someone called? They've redacted the name. Yeah, I do, babe. Why? Was this photo taken in his room? Yeah, it was, because I left my stuff at his. Why do you ask? Do you know him? (laughs) Uh, Yes, I know him. He was my boyfriend. Why were you even at his place? Uh, The seller replied, oh, my God, babe, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. You still interested in the top, though? (laughs) Uh, just amazing. So apparently this person took a picture of herself with this sweater or whatever it was in this gentleman's, I'll use that term very, very loosely, bedroom and posted it on Depop and this, uh, unsuspecting young lady found it. Uh, the exchange was posted on Instagram and, uh, the seller for her part was apologetic, I guess, to the point, but she did still ask for the sale, which she got a lot of credit for. Uh, Never stop the hustle. One replied, another one joking, I'll give you a friends and family discount. (laughs) Oh man. So uh, I guess the moral of the story is be very careful when you take pictures. We've all seen pictures on uh, Facebook marketplace or Craigslist where the guy has inadvertently taken a a picture of something with a mirror in the background that shows he's not wearing any pants or whatever the case may be. Uh, But man, this was what a way to find out that your significant other is cheating on you. Another interesting article kind of along the the unexpected veins, and this could be both something good potentially for some resellers and is obviously a real problem. This article appeared on Whiskey Raiders. Empty bottles of whiskey are fetching hundreds of dollars on eBay as counterfeiters buy them for scams. Empty bottles of premium brands of whiskey such as Pappy Van Winkle, Old Fitzgerald, and McCollin are selling for hundreds of dollars on sites such as eBay, according to a report in the New York Times. These bottles are being snatched up for as much as $380 by counterfeiters who then fill the bottles with cheap booze and resell the bottles for way over $2,000, according to Hollywood writer and producer Adam Hers, Hers, not sure of the name, uh, as quoted by Inside Edition. Part of the problem, they say, is the culture around bourbon where it's about bragging rights and being able to Instagram a bottle you just bought. Most people I see ending up with fakes are partly to blame themselves. Any good con man knows how to take advantage of someone's greed. In September, distilleries Buffalo Trace and Michter's warned of an influx of bourbon scams and did offer tips to avoid being conned. These scams have gotten so out of hand that social media accounts solely devoted to tracking them have cropped up. The problem is not being helped by most whiskey producers, according to the New York Times, which wrote that most distilleries have been slow to take action and that few are willing to 
publicly admit that this is a serious issue, quote, for fear of encouraging counterfeiters and discouraging interest in their own legitimate products. So what do you do if you're if you're a legitimate reseller and you find an old vintage bottle empty? Should you offer it up on eBay knowing that there's a good possibility that it's going to end up in the hand of a, let's call it a whiskey counterfeiter? Uh, let me know in the comments or in the chat what you think about that. Um, would you sell a- an empty whiskey bottle? I think for my part, I probably would because I'm not I'm not doing anything illegitimate. Uh, if somebody wants to pay $300 for an empty bottle, what they do with it, I guess, after they've bought it from me is just not my concern really, but that's a really kind of an interesting dilemma and another kind of unexpected side of resale. Uh, Business Insider has a really interesting article up. Uh, Returns often end up in landfills. Here's how three companies are helping them get resold instead. They note retailers often throw returned items in the trash because it's the cheapest and fastest option. Companies companies like Optoro and B-Stock Solutions offer a more sustainable solution like reselling. This resale market also circumvents supply chain issues since the item can be delivered right away because, of course, it's in someone's hands. UPS estimates that it will process more than 60 million return packages by the end of January, which is 10% more than last year. But the article notes not all return products will be restocked and resold. Instead, many will end up getting thrown away. Returned inventory accounted for 5.8 billion pounds of landfill waste in 2020, according to reverse logistics company Optoro and Environmental Capital Group. This happens mainly because processing those returns, as we've talked about on this show a couple of times previously, especially e-commerce returns, is time-consuming, labor, and resource-intensive. They say you get all these packages back to a warehouse and you have to open every single box to inspect each item and then determine what to do with those items. If the product is open or used, it often can't be restocked, so throwing it away is the easiest, least expensive option. Optoro is one of several companies offering solutions to keep returns out of landfills, including helping retailers and brands process returns more efficiently and selling return items on the growing resale market. They work with brands like Ikea, Best Buy, and Target, and they report it has helped their clients keep 96% of their returns and excess inventory out of landfills through its e-commerce returns portal and returns management software, which identifies what should be happening with these return products based on their condition. These options also include restocking, donating, recycling, or reselling items in the second market, secondary market, including in their own play marketplace, bulk, B-U-L-Q.com, which some people who are resellers are using to great effect buying these pallets of returned merchandise. Another company, B-Stock, operates a liquidation liquidation marketplace to sell returns and excess inventory on the B2B secondary market, which features a network of buyers worldwide who make a living reselling merchandise. In 2021, B-Stock sold 145 million items across its re-commerce platform, which kept 500 million pounds of merchandise in use and 5 million items out of landfills. 92% of shoppers have purchased a resale resale item online and 95% would buy a resale item that's discounted, according to a survey by FloorFound. They note, by not being in the resale business, you're both losing out on the opportunity and contributing to the waste problem, not the solution. Along with lower prices, shopping on the secondary market means items are available and delivered quickly, easing some of the supply chain issues affecting the retail sector recently. So the angle on this, obviously, bulk is taking that stuff and selling it to people like us who are already resellers and getting that stuff back into the market. Some of these other companies' approach is to work directly with those big retailers and to sell those things on their behalf. So these items are not going to be coming available. And I think, as we've talked about on this show numerous times before, as you see big retailers getting a whiff of the money that's being made in resale. Not only could this be profitable for them, it could help reduce 
their loss and their overhead. They'll pay this third-party company to take care of these problems, and they'll just sell the stuff themselves and recoup some of their lost investment, make a little bit of money, and constrain the supply of some of these goods. So this is a really interesting one to watch. Jumping over here into the chat real quick. Uh, Better Health Blessings uh, is laughing. Always ask for the sale, referring to the the Depop story. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Always be closing. That's what they told me when I was in the car business. Uh, Prenny's prize possessions. I would definitely sell the empty bottles. $300 for basically garbage is an incredible return. What the buyer does with it is not my concern. Absolutely. Completely agree with that. Uh, We talked about COVID just real briefly there. The uh, annual toy fair has been canceled over COVID concerns, but the National Retail Federation did go forward with their big show. Retail industry event planners must once again deal with concerns over COVID. The Toy Association has canceled their annual toy fair set to take place in mid-February at the Javits Center in New York. It said it had to balance the interests of the 700 toy manufacturers who remain committed to the event against whether it could provide a sufficient quantity of retail buyers. In the meantime, the National Retail Federation did kick off its annual Big Show conference this weekend at the same venue. The Consumer Electronics Show held its annual event online and in person the first week of January. Reuters reported that 70 attendees from South Korea tested positive for the virus after the event, but show organizers were unable to confirm the number of cases that were the result of the event, which was held in Las Vegas. Uh, I saw several reports that the attendance at the CES show was very, very light this year. So a lot of folks partook of the online version of this and did not actually go to the event. But uh, this is one of those things, again, where opportunities for people to get together and, and talk about Things available for sale and upcoming market trends are difficult to do in this pandemic era. This article on Title Press reselling goes mainstream thanks to sustainability supply chain misery, uh, according to the Real Real. Resale has undeniably become mainstream, said Real Real's president uh, in their annual consignment report, noting that luxury in particular has one difference that sets it apart every demographic actively participates in luxury resale. Over the past year, every demo increased the adoption of secondhand luxury and nearly every brand that they sell saw an increase in value as a result. Diving into the specifics during 2021, the Real Real revealed that the highest gains in year-over-year resale growth came through the high-value Nike sneakers with, quote, rapidly increasing demand and limited availability for the style that most sought after drives Nike to see the resale value advantage of 32%. So big growth in Nike. That was the biggest growth item on their platform. Other individual brands that had big growth, Rolex uh, had year-over-year growth of 16%, followed by Bottega Veneta at 15%, Chrome Hearts 13%, and Herms, which was 13%. They note that what makes the resale value actually go up is multiple things, changes in consumer behavior that have increased the value for these used products, including the desire to, again, this is important, extend the luxury goods cycle. So again, that keeping it out of the landfill, the sustainability and the reuse of these items that the the millennials and the Gen Zs are particularly all about. They note about 40% of the real, real buyers are replacing fast fashion, fast mode with resale, And a potentially more significant driver of demand and the resulting value, at least for 2021, is the fact that consumers are buying outside of the primary market due to supply shortages as a result of the lack of availability of resale of luxury goods at regular retail. They talk particularly about supply chain woes on the increasing value in 2021. The real real revealed that they are benefiting from the fact that in at least some cases, the resale market is becoming the only place you can turn to for an item. That has spurred increased resale value for coveted items that are constantly selling out on the primary market. Among those items, Rolex watches, the limited supply of which helped push the secondhand market value exclusively for watches to $20 billion, according to CNBC. That market is expected to continue to grow to more than $30 billion, which will be half the size of the new watch market by 2025. So big money 
in resale, just in general, but in luxury brands in particular. I listened to the Pure Hustle podcast guys a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about that 2022 may begin to separate resellers who are good at it and are devoted to this job or career, if you will, and those that have had undue success due to a couple of things over the last couple of years that have made reselling super, super profitable. First, of course, you had the pandemic, which led to a myriad of issues, a lot of people shopping, buying games and puzzles and all that sort of stuff. And now the supply chain woes on the other end of the pandemic, which has caused things like we're talking about right here. As we escape, hopefully, both of those issues, it's going to put some strain on resellers whose success has really been contingent on those two things. So be aware of that. Be focused on your business and think about how you are going to adapt to what is going to be a changing marketplace once the pandemic inevitably ends and the supply chain woes inevitably end. Are you going to be positioned to continue to be successful? Moving on, uh, what's a week without a lawsuit? Online sellers have filed a RICO suit over PayPal payment holds. Several online sellers filed a RICO suit against PayPal claiming the payments firm illegally seized their funds. Reports about withholding of funds, payment holds are not new, nor are lawsuits. According to this article, Fernando versus PayPal and Zapata versus PayPal are two classics. While this particular suit targeted PayPal, complaints from online sellers extend to other payment processors, including online marketplaces. Uh, this article is on e-commerce bytes. They note they have received complaint, complaints about payment holds on Facebook and Mercari over the past four weeks. And we've read complaints about eBay and Etsy as well. We talked a couple of weeks ago about a glitch on Mercari that had a similar I don't think it got to the point of people filing lawsuits, but it got to the point of accusations being leveled by resellers that Mercari was stealing their money and they were going to sue and this and that. So there are some issues that crop up from time to time that are technical issues on these sites. Again, we expect all these things to just work perfectly because 99.5% of the time they do, but sometimes there's a glitch and payments get held up and I don't know that jumping to a lawsuit is the right initial reaction, but nonetheless, there are sellers who have commented. Uh, there's one here. Look at Mercari. My account was practically banned for no reason, but to re-verify my identity, Mercari stole and blocked my funds for all sales. Again, the money's not being stolen. If it's being held, if it eventually gets paid out, I don't, payment holds are part of life. They happen with credit card processors all the time. So I just... I don't, uh, I just don't get that wound up about it. So uh, let us know if you've had a problem receiving payment from any of these. I know Mercari had an issue yesterday that they posted about in their notifications that the automatic closing of sales, the automatic rating of sales that had passed the three-day time limit was not working properly, which of course you don't get paid until you get rated. So that is another issue where I guess if you were so inclined, you could argue that Mercari was uh, holding your money without your consent. But again, it was a technical glitch. So, and supposedly has been fixed. I had an auto rating this morning, so it appears to be working again. Shipping supplies. Uh, getting shipping supplies becomes a challenge for online sellers. Before COVID, obtaining shipping supplies was a routine chore for online sellers. Now it has become a challenge as Jason Archambault can attest his company, Fast Pack Packaging, has been offering boxes, mailers, bubble wrap, and other shipping supplies to online sellers for over two decades. But last year was unlike any other. He says, we offer over 15,000 different shipping-related SKUs, and over the last year, we've had more issues receiving product from suppliers than ever before. Prior to 2021, he notes, 1% or less of all the orders he placed would be affected by out-of-stock issues, and even then, those orders might be delayed only by two or three days until the item was back in stock. In 2021, that number was in the double digits, he said. Some products were out of stock and therefore unavailable to fast-pack customers for days, weeks, or longer. In October, Business Insider reported that the U.S. was running out of cardboard and packaging materials as the supply chain crisis dragged on. And you may have noticed there was a big uproar last week. Even the post office 
may be experiencing supply chain issues with their free packaging supplies. Sellers recently had noticed that they could no longer order USPS Priority Mail flat rate padded envelopes on the website. There was a lot of hullabaloo last week about whether USPS was discontinuing this. That has been a rumor for some time because of the misuse of the free packaging that the post office offers that they may phase that out. Uh, As of this morning when I looked, those priority mail flat rate padded envelopes were actually back in stock and available to be purchased. So it must have just been a short term delay. But uh, let me know in the chat or in the comments if you're having a problem getting packaging supplies and it pays to order them probably in bigger quantities than you might think you ordinarily would want to, not only for some money savings, uh, but to make sure you've got stuff on hand so that you don't get caught short. Vice has an interesting article up this week. Uh, Every year, the United States Postal Service auctions millions of dollars worth of undeliverable mail, an amount that could likely be far more if they had any idea what they were selling, according to Postal Service documents. They did a a special project on the United States Postal Service in 2020. They filed a Freedom of Information Act request with the USPS for a list of items auctioned by the Mail Recovery Center in Atlanta, Georgia, the UPS's lost and found facility where some 67 million pieces of undeliverable mail annually are sent. If the items are deemed to have a value of greater than $25, sentimental value or otherwise possess some material value, the items are stored in case... The United States Postal Service receives an inquiry from the person who was supposed to get it. After a period ranging from 30 days to indefinitely, they either recycle, destroy, or auction the item. But the USPS does not auction the items, of course, individually. It contracts with GovDeals, a government surplus auction website, to sell them off in lots. Currently, The Atlanta Surplus Center has 645 lots on auctions with items ranging from gift cards to cell phones to laptops. Most of the lots contain what they call, quote, unquote, general merchandise. Also, to note, when I initially read this article and was reading through, I was like, man, I should buy some of those. That sounds like a really great deal. Uh, Unfortunately, the lots must be picked up at the Atlanta facility as the mail service will not mail the lost mail. (laughs) Uh, to the winner of an auction. Uh, how crazy is that? So if you win one of these auctions, you got to—you apparently have to go to Atlanta and pick it up. They won't ship it. Just remarkable. In response to the request, the post office said they don't keep much of any information about these auctions at all. Uh, as information, the Postal Service does not have a record of the actual number of items auctioned, the sale prices, nor the sale prices of the individual lots, they said. The only information it included in the response was an annual breakdown of 2015 through 19 of the number of lots auctioned and the total revenue from those. Can you imagine running your business like that? The post office is always complaining that they're losing money hand over fist. Uh, Here is an opportunity to make a potentially a boatload of money and they're, they're not even tracking it accurately. Just remarkable. It sure seems like there's some valuable stuff in some of these lots. For example, this lot of trading cards, sports memorabilia, and novelty items contains approximately 250 pounds of trading cards, which, of course, as we've talked about on the show, have skyrocketed in value during the pandemic. If you look at the pictures, many of these cards are graded highly, rare, or even unopened. Just 10 decent cards or one great one in the lot could easily net the buyer a profit. In some cases... They say the USPS seems to almost go out of its way to cost itself money. For example, there were seven low-end Windows and Chrome laptops, but they did not disclose whether they even turn on a fact that would easily have made them worth more than the $660 the entire lot is going for. So I guess if you are down in the Atlanta area, uh, check this thing out. The USPS auctions from, what was it again? Something... Gov, gov deals. So check that out if you're down in that area and available to pick up auctions. There is definitely money to be made. Uh, article on Forbes: Big cash for old tech. A company called Back Market has raised 510 million dollars for reselling old electronics. Electronics refurbishing giant Black Market has received a massive $510 million Series E funding round with a valuation of the company at $5.7 billion, the company announced. 
This comes just eight months after raising $335 million back in May. They apparently offer a marketplace for approved partners to sell old phones, tablets, smartwatches, and other electronics, thereby upcycling them again that keep them in the supply chain and reselling them to consumers who might want fairly new tech, but just a little more affordably. For instance, an iPhone 12 in good condition is available for $593. A Galaxy S21 graded as fair sells for $474, which are both significantly below brand new pricing. The company says they sell over 200,000 products per month. Our goal, they say, is to make refurbished electronics the first choice for tech purchases, says co-founder and CEO. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name. Uh, (laughs) uh, Now that devices on back market have an average failure rate of just 4%, we're in a very attractive position as a sustainable and reliable alternative to buying new. The failure rate of 4%, they note is just a tick above the 3% error rate on brand new electronics, according to unofficial back market data. So here's another company that is just raising millions and millions of dollars, essentially doing resale. So big bucks. Mercari. Uh, we've talked about Mercari quite a bit. And the, the general consensus here in the U.S. is that it's a nice little marketplace But it doesn't really, it hasn't really gained a lot of traction here in the U.S. I've talked about in my own use case using List Perfectly. Again, shameless plug, affiliate link in the show notes and description down below. Uh, You can save 30% off of your first month. But I have been able to cross list about 4,500 items out of my eBay store to my Mercari store. And yet consistently, my Mercari store does, we'll call it in round numbers, 10% of the transaction and dollar volume that my eBay store does. Over the weekend, I had 40 eBay orders and I had five Mercari orders. So it was just a little bit better than 10% for the weekend. But on balance, overall, it is about 10%. Mercari is setting out to fix that. They plan an investment blitz to crack the code in the U.S. marketplace. As Japan's Mercari pursues its ambition to become a global online marketplace, it must first turn around the flagging operations in the U.S. where players big and small are waging what they say is a cutthroat competition. They have pledged to step up investment in a blog post that they published early in the new year. There are plenty of opportunities, including overseas development, so I want to spend big both defensively and offensively to maximize not short-term profit but medium and long-term future profit, wrote their president and CEO, Shintaro Yamada. Uh, And good on them. Uh, This is something I've talked about going way, way back to my days in retail where organizations chase tomorrow's stock price and this month's profit at the expense of medium and long-term profitability. So good on them for at least thinking about what they want to do down the road. The scale of their operations have gradually expanded since their launch in 2014, but the company now looks to step on the gas, something it can afford to do because it is now finally turning a steady profit at home. Their parent only earnings, which cover just the Japanese secondhand market, um, have been rising steadily, which offset the losses elsewhere. Operating profit came to 15.6 billion yen, which was $136 million for the year last year, which was 3.5 times their result just four years earlier. However, as we just talked about, things have not gone so smoothly in the U.S. They have set a goal in August of 20% annual growth and gross merchandise sales volume there, but shortly thereafter... Their third quarter results showed a six year or six percent year on year decline. So they went in the wrong direction. Uh, they have throttled back, they say, temporarily on advertising and promotional spending, which is essentially their biggest spend in this market, and that that could be a factor why that number decreased. But be on the lookout for more Mercari advertising. I saw a post somewhere else this morning where someone said they have seen a lot more online and on television Mercari advertising recently. So the effort appears to be coming back. They have also, as we've talked about previously on the show, uh, made some efforts to stand out from the crowd looking at logistics. Last summer, they announced a nationwide expansion of a delivery partnership with Uber technology, which followed a narrower rollout the year previously. They have also been using artificial intelligence to improve their app's search function. And I will say on the seller side of the app, 
if I'm trying to find one of my own listings in my quote unquote seller hub in Mercari, it is much, much faster and much, much easier to do than it is on eBay. So results uh, looking good there. Some market watchers hope Mercari will grow even more quickly. They want to see U.S. flea market transactions, they say, rise by at least 30%, which would be faster than their growth in Japan. So if you're not on Mercari, it's probably worth a look. Um, Their fees are pretty much right in line with everybody else. Their their quote-unquote final value fee is 10%, and then they charge 2.9% plus 30 cents for the processing, the payment processing of the transaction. So all in, you're at roughly 13% plus 30 cents, which puts it right on par with pretty much everybody else. It is a market that I think is probably poised for growth. So if you're not on Mercari, uh, consider adding that to your repertoire. Depop announced this week a new feature allowing users to make an offer and negotiate price. Depop, this article notes, is the home of Asta Pizza's $12,000 uh, bralettes and a whole load of drama, uh, as we (laughs) just talked about. Uh, Now the Marketplace app has launched a new feature which allows buyers to easily make an offer on any listing. Many sales, they note, on Depop were already made with negotiating prices done by direct messages between a buyer and a seller, but with the new make offer feature, Depop aims to make the whole thing more simple and allow buyers and sellers to easily agree on a price. There are some screenshots if you go to this article that show what it's going to look like. Once you click on make offer, you're taken to a page where you can type in any number to make an offer to the seller. Then the seller has 24 hours to either accept or reject your offer and you will be notified either way. It is now easier than ever, they say, to find amazing deals on Depop. We know that achieving the right price is a key part of the Depop experience and this feature will make unique pre-loved fashion finds even more accessible, helping buyers to find look good fashion at feel good prices. Man, if that is not some marketing speak. (laughs) Uh, I don't sell on Depop because as I've said on this show a couple hundred times, I don't sell clothing really all that much, but I was not aware that they did not have uh, an actual make offer option. So interesting. Good to see that they're adding that. Amazon, uh, they keep rolling out new things to help their third-party sellers, which I give them a lot of credit for. It's a tough place to sell with the gating and all the restrictions, but they are making a really solid effort to reach out to their sellers. They are rolling out now a seven-day-a-week on-demand phone support to pro sellers, those that pay the $39.99 or whatever it is per month to be a pro seller, who have questions about the health of their accounts. A call me now option will be added to the seller's account health page over the course of this year, which reads, if you have any questions about your account health, have an account health specialist contact you right away. They explained in their announcement, call me now improves on the preventative support we already provide and gives you the ability to proactively contact our team to answer your questions and help you resolve your account health issues in the most urgent situations. The dedicated account health support team is trained to answer your questions on the policies and performance metrics on your account health page. Amazon launched Call Me Now support on that page to a portion of their sellers in 2021 and said this year it will become available to all sellers. Amazon sellers, for their part, commenting on the announcement post, appeared skeptical about the ability of support representatives to help them. We are a skeptical lot. (laughs) Uh, us resellers, man, we just, we don't trust anybody. (laughs) Uh, if you have had experience with the call me now feature yet, uh, on your account health page, let us know in the comments down below. Amazon is also, uh, I believe this is tomorrow. They are hosting a panel discussion on the topic of marketplace selling policies. There's no indication if it will include behind-the-scenes tips to help sellers navigate these policies, nor is there any indication whether there will be a a feedback or question-and-answer session. But kudos to them for at least offering this webinar. According to the description, the panel will give sellers an overview of its selling policies and what they mean for sellers. That sounds like advice for newbies and a refresher for experienced sellers. Tune in and learn about account health and Amazon policies like intellectual property, restricted, and counterfeit products. Amazon did not say, again, whether they would take questions from sellers, 
Since they say panel discussion, can I assume sellers will have the opportunity to voice their opinions and thoughts? And there was no response. They note Amazon appears to be wooing new sellers. It kicked off a new initiative last week called Start an E-Commerce Business in 2022. They're probably a little late <laughs> uh, to the game with that one, but good on them again. Each Monday, Amazon posts links on social media sites to tips on starting an e-commerce business. So if you're an Amazon seller and you have questions about Amazon policies and account health, this webinar is tomorrow. There should be a link in this article, I believe, to the actual announcement and the landing page so that you can go attend the seminar. Etsy, ah, gosh, here we go again. Last week I was I was all rah rah for Etsy. We had some good news, but now <laughs> we're we're back, kind of in the dumps here. Etsy sellers are mystified over reports of canceled orders. This was a letter to the editor at E-commerce Bytes. There's something not right with Etsy payment. More threads are popping up about Etsy canceling sales after sellers have already shipped purchase purchases previously approved by their payment system. When Etsy is contacted by these sellers, apparently they get an apology and a refund, so at least good there, but not much in the form of an explanation. The writer notes, whilst I get the need to avoid online fraud, this particular transaction was not a fraudulent purchase, and now I have a buyer wanting to know why their order was canceled, a question I'm not currently able to answer other than referring the buyer to Etsy's message above. When the seller contacted Etsy, the rep said, according to the seller, we had reasons to cancel the order. There was an issue with the buyer's account, but they would not provide further details. I get it. They're trying to prevent fraud, but there is, there are two competing things here. Obviously, Etsy puts a lot of pressure on sellers, as do most of these places, to ship items as quickly as possible. But sometimes their fraud detection in their payment system runs fairly well behind that. I've actually had that happen on Mercari where I got an order. I shipped it the next morning and that following afternoon, I received a cancellation from Mercari. Same thing. I reached out. All I got was we detected that there may be fraud with this, but since you have already shipped the item, we will release the payment to you to their credit. They did. The, the buyer reached out because they got a notification that the order had been canceled. I assured them that it had already been shipped and they should get it. And uh, I got my automatic feedback from Macari and all was well. But there is a bit of a time delay there from uh, on occasion where these cancellations come after an item has already been shipped. So that's an area of technology where these platforms need to continue to do some work. eBay as they usually do when there is a severe weather event, are extending seller protections to sellers impacted by winter storm Izzy. As they usually do, we are so sorry for those who are facing severe weather and storms due to winter storm Izzy throughout the East. As a seller, you may be concerned about shipping delays for items already shipped or difficulties getting sold items to your carrier. We are closely monitoring the situation. Please stay safe and take care of yourself, your family, and your community. If you're located in areas and are not able to ship, communicate with your buyers to advise them of the situation. Extend your handling time if you expect delays. If your business is impacted, eBay will automatically protect your seller performance, including your late shipment rate, your valid tracking upload rate, item not received cases due to late delivery as long as you've uploaded tracking before the case was opened and have a physical scan from a carrier and any defects resulting from transactions that you were forced to cancel. They note they will also remove any associated negative or neutral feedback, and these cases will not impact your service metrics. This will all, they say, happen automatically, and there is no need to reach out to eBay. So as always, kudos to eBay. Uh, speaking of crazy, not necessarily weather events, but did you see the satellite footage of that volcano in the Pacific Ocean around Tonga? That was one of the most remarkable pieces of footage I think I have ever seen. Uh, Thoughts are with all the people over there. That that island nation is absolutely covered in ash. They had a tsunami. It is just a disaster. I don't know if there are any resellers over on Tonga that would be listening to this podcast, but man, my thoughts are with you. That was just remarkable. Uh, last thing, I uh, received this email from eBay just this morning. Upcoming changes to when you receive financial statements. So if you're on eBay's managed payments, they send you a monthly statement, much like you would get with your checking account or any bank account. Beginning in May of this year, eBay is going to change the dates 
that they generate those reports on. They will generate these reports on the first of the month rather than mid-month. You will receive a final mid-month financial statement covering the 16 days transitional period from March 16th to March 31st on April 1st. Moving forward, all financial statements will cover activity from the first day of the calendar month to the end of the calendar month. So if you are on managed payments, and I never actually even look at my statements because I track my accounting on a day-to-day basis, uh, but if you if you're looking for those statements, note that the dates of those bad boys is going to change to the first of the month. Uh, jumping back into the chat here real quick, TRB Collectibles, thanks for stopping by. Also thought about doing this except with airport luggage auctions. I didn't even know that was a thing. See, you'd learn stuff all the time. <laughs> uh, if you're out there paying attention. Francisco, Martin Del Campo, a bit late. Hey, Ryan, nice to hear your voice in person. Greetings from California. Good to see you. I have not seen you in the chat or in the uh, comments recently, so thank you for stopping by. I know this is super early out there on the left coast, so thank you for stopping by. Uh, Ryan says, Etsy, I immediately think of the Star Seller Program (laughs) and start to laugh. Yeah, that has been on my hit list, unfortunately, here for quite some time. So... That's about going to put a wrap on it today, unless anybody has anything they would like to add in the chat. Um, I would like to point out that if you are not currently following me over on Instagram at Galaxy CDs Rocks, please do that. I post updates about when I'm going to be doing shows, lives, or anything like that. I'll also post, I started posting a weekly update on Saturday for listings and how many items I sold during the week, just kind of as a reminder of controlling the things you can control. A lot of times we get caught up in looking at big sales numbers and worrying about things that are to some extent like the train robberies, not in your control. So it's just a weekly reminder to focus on the things that you actually have the power to influence, which would be things like doing your listings, getting your orders shipped on time and that sort of thing. Again, I'm super late with this. Uh, but if you've got something out of this, if you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor and whack that thumbs up button. If you are not a follower of the podcast or a subscriber of the channel here on YouTube, please consider doing that. I go live pretty much every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern to bring you reselling news and other updates that I think are relevant. Occasionally a what sold and occasionally just some random goofy stuff. (laughs) Uh, Going back into the chat uh, just one more time here. What did you sell this week? I'm taking it you were late. Uh, Tom, this week, the re- what sold segment was at the beginning. So uh, go go check out the replay. It should post pretty quickly after this ends. I think there's like seven things on there uh, this week. It was actually a really good week for me. I did, uh, if you caught that Instagram post, um, spoiler alert, I did 97 transactions last week across all platforms. So a really, really good week here at the Galaxy. Ginger Hive, good morning and good content. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you stopping by. Uh, And TRB says, don't forget to post Josie the cat. Let me see if I can go in here real quick and replace the logo with Josie, who says, thank you, as always, for stopping by. I appreciate all of you who are listening to the podcast around the world and who stop by every Wednesday to catch this show live. I absolutely appreciate it. With that, we're going to close for today. I hope you are all safe and doing well and that your business is like mine, doing better in January than it did in December. (laughs) Uh, So with that, we're going to wrap it. It's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.